Who the bloody hell's that? Should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello, and welcome to chapter 107 of the Corona Diaries. Gosh. I'm 66. Well, I was going to say, this is the one where we can wish you happy birthday, because it's the other one was too far away. Yeah. This one's close enough, isn't it? Because it's just, just a day or so gone, isn't it? Just this minute. Just this minute have I been come 60. Well, not just this minute. When was it? Saturday. Yes, Saturday. I had a lovely time. I've, I'm at that we, age now, but, you know. We had a lovely day. Yeah, I've just in a deck chair with a... Blanket over my knees. Have you got one of those blankets? <laughs> no. Those travel blankets. <laughs> oh, Lynette has probably got at least six. You know, you can't, you, you mean you can't get anything in the boot of our car because it's always already full of right. just shit like that. Things you might need while you're out and about. Bla- yeah, and, and they're all in little crates and whatnot as well because she's sort of quite organised with the car uh, in the car area. Um, so there's, I don't know, what's, I don't know what's in any of them. Um, Are you always ready for an impromptu picnic? Antifreeze, scrapers. Antifreeze. Uh, and blankets. Uh, probably, a spade. Yeah, picnic chair. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what all of it is. I know I, it all has to come out every time we go anywhere because you can't fit any suitcases in. So then it all has to come out. The rest of the time we just drive it about. <laughs> and it's not because you've nowhere for it in the house. She genuinely <laughs> thinks you might need it while you're out and about. She does. And also she's a big, she's a big believer in the... Um, in the charity shop, you know, whenever we've got too much stuff, which is all yep. the time, um, on account of the fact that more stuff arrives all the time, um, then then there's the charity shop to consider. So then there's always a lot of stuff to go to the charity shop, which goes in the boot of the car and never gets to the charity shop, of which I load in and out every time we go anywhere <laughs> as well. Whilst muttering to myself, why don't we ever take this to the charity? Of course, I could do it. So, uh, well, you know, but our charity shops around here are, v- are very um, temperamental. You know, they're a bit, they're prima donna charity shops. Ah. And you go, you know, you go with your stuff and they go, oh no, we don't, we, we can't take that between half past 10 and quarter to three. Yeah. You've, uh, we only accept those uh, from uh, five past nine until seven minutes past nine. Um, so, you know, you've got to get in the queue with everybody else. And then, oh, no, it's eight minutes past nine now. You, we, we can't take that. Or they'll say, oh, we can't take that. We don't take um, those or whatever, you know, standard lamps. Foot spars. Foot spars. We can't take a foot spa. It no. could be an electrical risk. So you go, oh, right. and what about a bedside lamp? Oh, no, could be an electrical risk. You go, oh, okay, what about a pair of jeans? Yes, we do take jeans, but not at nine minutes past nine. No, and so and not in go, that size. Just dropping, <laughs> dropping anything off is, uh, is fraught. Fraught with, uh, I'm a big believer in fly tipping. Just drive down a country lane and throw it all on the verge. You can't yeah. say that. <laughs> you can think it and you can do it, but you can't say it. It'll rot down after a couple of decades. You've just written an album about being kind to the planet and you're fly tipping now. No, I'm, I'm sort of joking. 
<laughs> oh, there's a lot of scope in the phrase sort of. Yeah, the next album's about fly tipping, basically. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear, what rhymes with fly tipping? <laughs> Oof. Not much. No, no, it's gonna be an EP. <laughs> pie, flip, we... pie flipping. Pie flipping. Yeah, you know, Shrove Tuesday. Yeah, pie yeah. flipping. For a kickoff. Pie, pie flipping, fly <laughs> tipping. <laughs> so, back to your birthday then. You, you had a nice day. You had a nice day, I take it. Eye dripping. Um, <laughs> me eye dripping. Yeah, I, yeah, um, I dripping. Yeah, uh, I can't think now. I've got a head full of rhymes for fly <laughs> tipping. Fly You've tipping. only got yourself to blame. I'm, you just, I've, I've got. I'm out of commission for at least ten minutes. What You're was off the for question? a stroll with what, your fly tipping what was rhymes. The question. <laughs> Did you have a nice birthday? Oh yeah, a lovely time. Yeah, yeah a lovely uh, time. Argil came over from. Uh, she came down from Donny with her husband Rich, who seemed to be allergic to something, and his eyes swelled up. Right. Uh, so poor old the Rick, south probably uh, but could have been anything he, yeah but he, he had to keep going and lying down in a dark room which which was a shame uh my friend tom the actor who is now not a, an actor but is a, a psychotherapist the lunatics have taken over the asylum um he came he came with his little boy theo um and tom is extremely good value as a human being. Um, and who else? Um, the, Niall and Sophie and Dan and grandson Ronnie. So we had a lovely time. And the good Lord above um, blessed me with a fabulous day. He did. He blessed you with the best day of the year so far, didn't he? He did, yeah. And it mm. was just lovely. So we all sat in the garden. And uh, I think we started with, uh, I think we started, I might have started with, I broke with tradition and had a corona. Ah. And then um, moved on to gin hasses, um, which is this sort of Danish thing to mm. do with gin. And then, um, then I moved on, I think, to more gin. Um, so that was lovely. Had a had a lovely gin soaked sort of day. Lynetta made me uh, the legendary lemon drizzle. Uh, Sophie gave me a great, great card that just said, "If you ever see me running, please kill whatever's chasing me," which I thought was quite apt in my case. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! Well, I'm pleased you had a nice day, uh, and you were blessed with the weather. Yeah. Um, and then, and, but you're back in the thick of it now. Because am I hearing right? Have you got band rehearsal today? I forgot Gay Nick and James as well. We've got uh, we we've got a gay couple in the village called Nick and James. Every, everybody knows because that's how you introduce them every time. Uh, oh, right. every, everybody knows Nick and James. Nick and James. I can leave it at that now. Can you I? can leave it at that now. Well, they came over and they're they're great value as well. And yes. uh, they were in good form. And uh, Nick said he wanted me turf, but uh, he never took it. Uh, I'd got a bit of turf well, he left needs to, over. He needs to take it between five past nine and seven and a half minutes, but <laughs> He does, because the gate's locked. The gate's locked after the that. Yeah. Um, what was the question? I don't know. Band rehearsals. Oh, I yes, hear a yeah. rumour you're rehearsing. We had to rehearse yesterday, so as you can imagine, you? That, that was a little bit... On a Sunday? I was a bit foggy. After a birthday, um, yeah, we had to rehearse yesterday because the gears only just got back from the cruise, and ah, then yes. tomorrow, oh, today at um, two o'clock, they're loading the truck to send it to Sweden, and we only managed. Obviously, we well, not obviously, but but the what is going to be the Saturday night was basically what we did on the cruise, so we wouldn't have played Friday and Sunday night. And since Poland, it'd be a total bloody shambles. Right. So we thought we've got to we've got to run it. Right. So, so it's we, not really a rehearsal, then. It's just more of a reacquainting yourself, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a, a run through. 
Um, and not even a run through of all of it because there wouldn't be time. Um, yeah. Just run through anything that we think we're likely to screw up, which is nearly all of it, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we won't. We, 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 it's going to affect today's episode a little bit because you've got to dash. So we're yeah. not going to get anything into into too much detail. But I am going to pick up on a couple of, of things that have, these are patron. These are patron comments. Oh, good. And a reminder, reminder for those of you that aren't purple. One of the things about being purple is that there's quite a lot of ongoing chatter on the Patreon platform um, by the patrons about different episodes and the nice thing is you can all interact and people do and you often jump on and reply and i often jump on and reply and and there's a bit of a a bit of a bit of chat goes on um but it also means it what it's great for is and normally within the first 12 seconds of putting an episode out we get told what we've got wrong yes i mean it's it's interesting because a lot of people come and comment and they go it was so lovely to hear h uh, talking, you know, about technical issues on the last podcast. Yes. Fascinating to hear about uh, what compressors do, and particularly sidechain compressors. Thank you for that. And then, then you, then you quickly followed by another comment that says that was all utter bollocks. Sidechain compressors don't do that. So. Uh, <laughs> Well, I have I have been enlightened somewhat by well, well, uh, by the well, good we listeners. All, well, and we all are. We and always <laughs> and and always. Not not only are we told, but we're normally told quite forcibly and very quickly. No uncertain terms. No yes. uncertain terms. There's no messing about. No. So it's like you know, if you shout at the radio, invariably when Jacob Rees Mogg's on, uh, it's like that. Except you can write it down, and Jacob Rees Mogg is 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 reading it. It's, that's it. Well, that's what it's akin to. Yes, but I must uh, say that I am grateful for for people not calling me an idiot. No, because although obviously I am an idiot, and and they were thinking I was an idiot, they still didn't say it, and that's no, that's lovely, no, they, and it's something I could learn from. The phrase "completely out of touch wank" has never been used, has no, it? No, not once. But I reckon Jacob might have read it once or twice. Which is yes. I don't think people are inclined to be as kind to Jacob as they are to to us. And no, but then he does go out of his way, doesn't he, to stir up that kind of. Uh, with us, it's completely accidental. Uh, well, he's he's basically a character out of Lord Snooty, isn't he? Yes, he for is. those old enough to remember, remember Lord, Lord Snooty. Snooty. Yes, he, he's like Lord Snooty's slightly snootier relative. Yes, Lord Snooty's uncle. Yes. Yes. Well, what can we say about Jacob Rees-Mogg except, pff, what the fuck? That'll do it. We'll move what on. Fuck? Right. We'll, we'll move. Anyway, so uh, back back to the patrons. Uh, so we've got a couple of comments I want to I want to just throw into the mix. So Justin Beanie. Oh yeah. Um. Um. Bless him. Morning, Justin. Uh, Morning, thanks, Justin. Thanks, thanks for getting in touch. Um. Even though he tells me off, forgive me, Ant, but you're slacking. Slacking. Now that's a Jacob Reese mob phrase, if ever there was one. Of course we're slacking. You don't, think, you don't think we got where we are by not slacking. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't we didn't get to where we are. Don't today. be ridiculous. Right preparing. Um the obvious somewhere else question has to be mm. why has the band never played the album in full at a weekend? Now I will tell you the answer to that. Because we, we we contemplated doing that in the, the, this weekend, the one we're about to embark upon, and we went, oh no, we've done that before, but we hadn't. But we thought we had. <laughs> <laughs> what a classic Marillion answer that is. <laughs> so, so in short, Justin, it's because we thought we had, uh, but it turns out we haven't. So we we will re- now we know we haven't. Um, and now we're even unanimous on that. Uh, we we will we will at some point do that. I could have sworn we. In fact, I might have been one of the people going. We've definitely done all that. I remember it distinctly, but apparently we haven't. And I bet when you said that, you all said not only have we done it, but we've done it really recently as well. I think I might have said that as well. Yeah, it was only a few years ago. <laughs> That Let's is... do season's end. We've never done that. We yeah, which yeah. we have. 
About 12 times. Yeah. So. <laughs> and that's not to denigrate Season's End. We all love hearing Season's End every time we do it. No, it's just that every time we do it, we think it's for the first time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Bit of a loop going on here. <laughs> oh, God. Um, the other purple comment came yeah. from Peter Davis. Now, this is quite quite a long paragraph, so I'll break it down into bits so I can understand it. Um, thought I would mention there are two other Somewhere Else tracks which were released as B-sides to thank you, whoever you are. Say the word and Circular Ride. Yes. And we didn't mention Circular Ride, which is bizarre because it's one of my favourite tracks. Yeah. And, I, and, and I've mentioned it so many times in the past and then didn't actually mention it around the time it actually came out. Um, but here we go. So Say the Word and Circular Ride were both slated for an EP release in late 2005, early 2006. Still with this? Mm-hmm. Mark's book says Ian was not happy with Say the Word. He wasn't. And, and, he, and that may have influenced the decision to not release the EP. Was any of that coming back to you now? Because that would have been before somewhere else came out. I do remember all of that, yeah. I do, I do. I remember Say the Word was kind of built up around a kind of inside-out rhythm, um, which I thought was really cool. And Mosley couldn't get his head around it and he said it made him feel ill uh, when he heard it. So that I think that upset certain people. Mike probably got... Mike gets very upset when Ian says, that makes me feel ill. It's one of those trigger expressions. It pisses Mike off a lot, which I can kind of understand when you've yeah. when you've put when you've put days and weeks of effort into arranging something very very carefully, and and then the drummer goes, "That makes me feel ill." Uh, it doesn't do very much for your for your desire to carry on. No. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, Ian didn't like it. I thought it was quite interesting and I do remember playing, um, I think I might have played all if not most of the somewhere else ideas as they were coming together at this sort of rough mix stage to Aziz Ibrahim. Right. And he came back to me and he said, yeah, that's, that, that's great, but that's that Say the Word track is really, really cool. I like that was his favourite. So, <laughs> so there you go. Right. Uh, one man's meat is another man's poison. Um, Indeed. And, and that, that's most definitely a fact. But Say the Word never saw the light of day because Ian didn't like it. Right. Apparently both tracks were held over from the Marble Sessions along with other tracks proposed for the EP, which would have been Real Tears for Sale. And that makes sense because we've definitely heard that that was kicking around for a while. Yeah. Um, Faith, well, we talked about Faith and that Mm. that had been kicking around for a while. Mm. And A State of Mind, Mm. which is the one we haven't mentioned, which obviously then appears further down the track because that's a happiness track, isn't it? Mm. That's a good song. So... That could have now that would have been a really interesting EP actually. Yeah, it was really interesting EP. And, and of course, the other thing we haven't mentioned back to Circular Ride is that you did play Circular Ride live, didn't you? Before one of the tours actually had the band playing Circular Ride live. Did it? Yeah. Well, mm. I mean, it, it. What What else is interesting about Circular Ride is that it mentions Copenhagen before I'd ever met Lynetta. so it was like a little harbinger of what was oh. to come and oh. it also mentions gloria gainer it does indeed which is something i managed to crowbar into a marillion lyric more out of devilment than anything else expecting everybody to throw it out uh you can't mention Gloria. you can't mention a uh, you know kind of <laughs> disco diva <laughs> in one of our songs you twat but they yeah. didn't uh probably because they didn't notice it till it was too late uh and mike didn't throw it out either but i think mike quite liked it he mm. he he went oh gloria gainey <laughs> that's cool <laughs> mike must have been doubly pissed off the the band didn't 
get Ian get, didn't get completely wound up about the mention of Gloria Gaynor, but did get wound up about say the, say word. the word. Yeah, well, this is who knows what mm. what you know rattles people. The, the people all are all looking for different things. As I've said before, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but it took me years. I mean, it really took me most of my life before the penny dropped that other people don't have the same window on the world that I have. No. You know, we all have our own window. But I think we, a uh, great many of us, unless we're enlightened, assume that everybody else's window is more or less the same as theirs. That, that you, you know, you open your eyes, you look at the world and you see what everyone else sees. And I don't think you do in, no. in so many respects. You know, maybe you don't even see the same colours. Who knows? Well, I've, now, here's the thing. I wondered if you'd say that because I think that I have this thing that what I think is blue might not be blue for you. And the only reason we both recognise it as blue is because we've always been told that thing there is blue. Yeah, I think I might even have put that in a lyric. I don't know if I've ever used it, whether it's in a song or whether it's just something on a shelf. But, I, yeah, what you see as yellow, I might see as blue. Um, and that could be true, but it's it, you know in, in its most fundamental form, you wonder about that. But then, if you take it into subtleties, um, what people perceive as you know, I don't know, good, bad, uh, tasteful, thoroughly unpleasant, mm. are all completely different no notions from person to person, and yet. Because those things are so obvious to to me, for instance, I just assume everybody else feels that mm. way, and it's taken me half of my life to realise that they don't, and that you've got to respect as much as is possible. You've got to respect other people's window on the world, which is not yours. One man's furniture freedom is another man's fly tipping. <laughs> Shall I carve that into granite? Well, you can do it if you like. Put, put a little sign on the village green. <laughs> Again, they'd be all full of old sofas and mattresses the following what? day. No furniture freedom. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to Peter Davis because he's still going. This is a really good. This is a really good update from Peter. Thank you, Peter. Um, the sleeve notes. For the Mr. Taurus, the making of Somewhere Else CD, say a total of 21 tracks were recorded for Somewhere Else. Right. You see. You see. And we haven't got a clue what about eight of them are. No. No, I, I, it's amazing, isn't it, how little I know about the band that I'm in. Um, I've said but, this before as well, you know, that I once I once heard an interview or I read an interview with John Lennon and he didn't know which albums the songs were on. I remember thinking, Christ, what a casualty. He must have dropped a lot of acid. And I'm exactly the same now. I don't know what any... What's, I don't know what half the songs, whether they were released or not. <laughs> but just because it's written down or just becomes, because somebody said it previously mm. doesn't mm. mean the previous account was true. You might be getting the truth today. I think I think we are getting the truth today, Anthony. But it's mm. just a feeling. It's not yes. a memory. Um, but I, I did read that uh, message from, was he Chris? Peter Davis. Peter Davis. See, Chris, like I said. <laughs> and, yes. um, well, his middle name might be Chris. <laughs> We'll we'll know we'll know by Friday morning. Or well, Chris could have just Chris could have just been a twitch that I was having on the way to Peter Davis. Um, yeah, I did read that, and I thought that all rings a lot of bells. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Stay but just because it's written down, folks, doesn't mean it's true. Just because somebody said it doesn't mean it's true. I did once look down from an aeroplane and see. See a sort of sea paradise, and then you know, thought it's almost a shame to land mm. when it looks like that from up here. Mm. They probably think that on the ISS, they're probably going around the planet, you know, looking down on Earth, going, 
It's almost a shame to go back. <laughs> well, particularly it? if they get the Daily Mail sent along. I think if there's, I think I wouldn't go back at all. Looks great from up here. <laughs> what, a, what a shame about all the fly tipping. <laughs> you can see that fly tipping from the moon. <laughs> the great wall of old sofas. That actually is going to be one of the song titles. <laughs> On your fly tipping opus. <laughs> we should stop about fly tipping. Just, just yeah. say no. Just, just say, say don't, no. Don't do Don't that. fly tip. I was not, joking. I was yeah, it's joking. not It's not a... Did I ever send you that picture where somebody had pushed a mattress out of the... Out of a... Uh, whatever. Or a, 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 a discarded a mattress yeah. on the lane near where we are. And the way it had fallen... Did fall in kind of like a an upturned L shape against a, a, a stone wall, yeah. so it can you can you could walk through it. Oh yeah, it had created like a mattress gate for the handy for the kids. Yeah, it was complete. You know, of the things you don't expect to see. Yeah, or oh, here mattress oh, gate here. Is, is not a word I was expecting this morning. Well, we'll get round to mattress gate at some point. It sounds like a sort of politician caught in flagrante doesn't it it's going to be exactly that mm. it's going to be exactly that um we've managed to get through 27 minutes worth of absolute drivel there i don't know if we've moved the dial at all this time have we i think we're we're maturing <laughs> right <laughs> explain <laughs> i don't know <laughs> like a blue cheese a new blue cheese is coming into that somewhere <laughs> what we have done is we've absolutely scraped the barrel of somewhere else. Yes, yeah, certainly of what I'm likely to remember of it. I think. Well, uh, we'd done that a couple of episodes ago, <laughs> but we, but we carried on regardless. I think that bloke who's not Chris, um, Peter, I, Peter. I, I think he's he's got what a good job. He came to the table. He's done really well because he's uh, he's 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 actually provided the information that I'm sure the listeners were hoping I would provide at some point. Yes, and I haven't. I've let, yes, I've, but I've let you down. I'm sorry. The, I've been up all night drinking gin. <laughs> I can't possibly remember somewhere else. Well, let's go to diary, mm. which we haven't read either. No. And let's... <laughs> Because we are recording this at five in the morning. Yeah, we are, aren't we? Neither we of are. us have slept. No, we haven't. We so, haven't. So give us a break. Yes. But we've also <laughs> not been awake planning. <laughs> no, not been awake planning. No, no, no. Let's go to the diary. There's one more day in Birmingham. Birmingham, not Birmingham, Berlin. Berlin. Let's try Berlin. Berlin. One more day. Not a lot of similarities between Birmingham and Berlin. Um, one more day in Berlin. Mm. And Hamburg, I believe, is where we're going after that. Oh. Both great cities. They are. Fantastic. Okay, let's head off. No idea what I'm about to read. Here it comes. Thursday, 6th of May. Berlin, Columbia Fritz. Woke up at nine o'clock and decided that, lovely as it is, I'd had enough of room 427. So I showered, packed and left the hotel at ten with the crew. It was good to be back on the bus where I feel more comfortable. All my things are within reach and the scenery constantly moves. If I'm sleepy, I can hit my bunk and sleep. If I'm not, I can chat to the excellent boys in the crew who are all interesting characters in their own way. We arrived at the Columbia Fritz and I chatted to Simon Lake, truck driver, as we loaded in. He'd been hit by falling rocks during last night's journey. What are the chances of that happening, eh? I returned to the bus and spent an hour replying to an email interview for Spain somewhere. All's going well, we're getting great reviews in Spain and Italy at the moment and I was told we were on the cover of the main Norwegian newspaper yesterday. Reviews, good or bad, don't mean much to me anymore, but good reviews help the marketing of the album, so it's good that they're good. Hung around at the gig all day. 
We're out of the centre of town here, so there was little point in going walkabout. This is only a little gig. Stage space is well tight, but it'll be fine. No more drum problems for me now I'm on in ears. Everything's manageable. Whoopee. Soundcheck was good. We rehearsed the end of Neverland again, and for the first time I think we all knew what we were doing. I had a spot of food which had been cooked by local girls and was the best food I'd had for ages. Chicken satay and the best cauliflower I've ever had. They'd also made some kind of stewed apple dessert, which was almost like baby food. Being quite a fan of baby food, I found it totally delicious. Andy Rotherham appeared and reminded me I'd promised him a beer in Berlin. He introduced me to his German pen friend, and four or five of us walked down the road, me with my hood up to avoid detection, and found a dodgy kebab bar which sold beer. It seemed to be all there was on offer locally. As we entered the bar, I was immediately nobbled by a crusty-looking chap who shook my hand and then soon reappeared with a special edition of marbles for me to sign. We had a beer and Andy told me how he was stationed over here when he was in the RAF during the tense times of the Cold War. He said the general public had no idea how close the world was to letting all the nukes off. He said he honestly thought he'd never see the end of his three-year tour of duty. He used to sit outside a hangar which contained a bomber already loaded with an atomic bomb for the Warsaw Pact. He used to have a key round his neck which was to open the hangar and admit the pilot for takeoff. He was on 24-hour, two-minute notice. He thought it was going to happen. Jesus, makes you wonder what's going down right now that we may never know about. Live for the day. Live for the day. Afterwards, he insisted on showing me the Tempelhof Airport right across the road. I'd wondered what the monstrous 1984 Orwellian building opposite the gig might be. I'd never imagined it was an airport. Looked more like the Ministry of Truth. We walked into the enormous concourse, designed by Hitler's master architect Albert Speer. It really is a huge edifice, built to intimidate all who saw it. Not my cup of tea, really, but impressive nonetheless. Andy marvelled at the fact that the entire structure is faced with marble. Closer inspection revealed that it would appear to be, in fact, solid marble. I guess money was no object to Mr Spear. Andy tells me the Zeppelins used to fly from here. Gazing across the main entrance hall, it was easy to hallucinate 1930s Berlin's aristocracy making their way in furs and sharp suits to board the first ever passenger flying machines on their way to Paris or New York. We returned to the gig and I got myself into the undertaker's garb and little spectacles that I currently wear for the Invisible Man. The gig was great. Every night we're improving and settling into the new technology. We played this place on the Anarachnophobia tour and I remember the crowd being distinctly cool. I put it down to Berlin being an art capital and not so easy to impress. But there were no such problems this time. The reaction was much more expressive and when I took out my oysters, in-ear monitors, at the end of the show for Cover My Eyes, everyone sang the song as one and the noise was huge. Something's definitely happening. Maybe it's a combination of things, I don't know. Airplay, staying power, the internet, the new album, who knows? But something's definitely happening. Friday, 7th of May, Hamburg, Market Halle. Didn't seem to take long to get to Hamburg. The bus seemed to be still for most of the night. I rose around 12 and alighted the bus to find Colin and Rich standing outside. What's happening, I said. Don't know. The gig's locked and the truck's not here, they said. Oops. I walked around the building to discover the truck double parked on a busy stretch of dual carriageway. Parked cars prevented the truck from being able to park. The equipment was already being loaded into the street. The access to the market hallet is via a lift. All hellishly tricky for the crew. I made my way into the gig over an art gallery bearing the slogan... Look after your private parts. Well, why wouldn't you? And remembered being here with the Europeans 22 years ago. Wow, and I'm still doing it. 
Still loving it too, to be honest. I could tell at a glance that the gig would be good for the crowd. The space is a system of terraces so that everyone has a good view of the stage and everyone feels close to the stage, even if they're not. Sometimes you just get a good feeling from a room and this is one of them. Quinna told me that today's day rooms have been booked in a very tasty hotel overlooking Hamburg's famous inner city lake, so I opted to go there for a shower and to relax. The local promoter gave us a lift over there in a brand new leather upholstered BMW 5 Series. That boy's making too much money. We arrived at the Atlantic Kempinski Hotel, checked in and I made my way to room 217 which was on the front face of the hotel with double doors opening onto and overlooking the lake. Beautiful. I ordered a club sandwich, an indulgence considering that I could have eaten for free back at the gig but you have to treat yourself now and again when you're touring, and showered. They have a health spa in the hotel, so I wandered along the corridor to see if I could use the solarium. It was available, and a beautiful health spa receptionist in a white uniform showed me the way. It was one of those stand-up ones which only takes ten minutes to give you a fair old cooking. Returned to the room and watched undersea creatures on TV with the sound down whilst also writing this diary. I was supposed to telephone a Czech journalist at 3.30 and Quinner had said that he'd text me the number. However, I noticed that my mobile was no longer working. There was some problem between my orange phone and the local network and it didn't work for the rest of the day. Managed to get hold of Quinner with the landline in the room and he gave me the number. But when I called, there was no answer anyway. Oh well. I rested on the bed for a while until 4.30 when I made my way back down to reception and into a taxi back to the gig. The band was already on stage rehearsing the uninvited guest, which we decided to add to the set in order to up the energy level in the encores. I joined them and we checked all was okay. The band and crew sat down to dinner, but I was still full from the club sandwich, so I didn't bother. Massive Attack's Mezzanine was playing out in the gig through the PA, so I went into the hall to listen to it. It's a sonic masterpiece. I sat at the back of the empty room listening when people started flooding in through the doors. I decided to sit still and keep my head down. It was quite good fun being unnoticed in a gig full of people who would have recognised me at a glance. A few clocked me, but they smiled and left me alone, bless them. One or two discreetly shook my hand or asked me to sign something, but I remained mostly unnoticed in the dark. Gaspacho, our opening act, took to the stage, and I stayed out front to listen to them. They're not bad at all, and this was the first chance I had to watch their set. Roderick seemed to be doing a good job sorting out their sound, which improved steadily as their show progressed. The crowd responded well to them and I could feel the temperature rising in the room. It was getting pretty hot in here. We've pre-sold 800 tickets and it's a Friday night so we might pick up 100 more walking up. 900 people in this room was going to be pretty packed and as Gaspacho played, the crowd gradually swelled. I caught most of their set before being summoned by Quinna to meet and greet a couple of competition winners so I went backstage and said hello. Soon it was time to get changed for the show. I got into my stage clothes and we wished each other a good gig before taking to the stage. I'm pretty comfortable with the in-ear monitors now and I was much more able to stay with the crowd tonight. The heat was intense and I could feel the sweat running down my back, legs and arms. I like it hot. Rock and roll's supposed to be about sweat. The new music was going down really well. I felt a surge of enthusiasm from the crowd as we played You're Gone, a sure sign that it's been picking up a little airplay here, and probably thanks to BFBS radio, which can be heard easily in this area. The second half of the show was even better received, and the new encores worked a treat. We are now encoring with Estonia, the uninvited guest, and finishing with Cover My Eyes, which everyone in the room sang at a deafening level. Brilliant. After the show, the crowd was baying for a further encore, well after the equipment was unplugged and the drums dismantled. We've played Hamburg many times over the years, but I've never known a reaction like this in this city. 
When I removed my shirt after the show, it was as wet as if I'd been thrown into a river. What a great and memorable night. And we're back. <laughs> As every year goes by, that's a worse and worse idea. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, you never know how long you're going to be holding it. Yes. That could be that. Hang on, no one knows. The microphone sags. No one knows, man. No one so knows. Berlin then? Yes. Um, and the bit that struck me, I, I really like Berlin. In fact, I, I think I've said this before, but I remember sending you a picture of a poster of Ferner Branca from uh, <laughs> Berlin um, <laughs> back in the day when I was going to look at a music shop. But Berlin, Berlin's a fantastic city um, and it's got a real edge to it. It is great. And I can understand why people have produced work there. I can understand why people like Bowie and whatever you've produced with X. It is great. But I went for a run round Templehof Airport last time I was there because okay. it's it's still there as a thing, mm. but it's it's a bit hippie and arty and it's a park and all manner of things now. It's not what it used to be. All right. Um, but that was back. That was a few years ago, and this is you're back in where are we in the diary? Two thousand and four. So it must have been quite weird in two thousand and four. Yeah, it was just a big empty like a you know, ghost. It was an edifice. Mm. Um, but there there was I don't remember there being anything in it. Um, you know, in the in the hippie sense of any nobody was selling tie dye shirts or anything. And it was just no. a big empty edifice. And it was um, arresting, you know, to the senses. Mm. Um and I did um I don't know if I've told this story before, but years ago, did I tell this story about about the runner? That was was that Berlin? That might have been Munich. Um, the 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 runner from the Olympic Olympic Halle, and when we when we opened for Deep Purple in the Olympic Halle in Munich, um, I went into town with the runner. Have I told you this story about? And I asked him about all the people he'd met. And no. he told me this whole... Have I told you the 50 cent story? No, that's not ringing a bell. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I'm in, the, I'm in this little minibus with the, with the driver from the Olympic Halle. And because it's a big place, I thought, oh, I'm, I'll ask him who else he's driven. So I said, who have you driven, who have you driven over the years then? And he, oh, I have driven just about everybody. Oh, I have driven Whitney Houston... And, and Mick Jagger and uh, blah, blah, blah. And he was telling me all these people. I said, what was Whitney like? Oh, very nice, very nice. What was Mick like? Oh, I didn't like him uh, and blah, blah, blah. And then, and then he said, but the nicest man I ever, ever had in this minibus was 50 Cent. And I'm going, what, 50 Cent, the, you know, gangster, rap <laughs> gangster gun toting <laughs> rapper. He said, I would take that man home to meet my mother. She, he was the nicest guy, man. Um, and apparently he um, he took 50 Cent into Munich to the Nike shop to buy some new trainers. And when he got into this shop and got upstairs, and, I mean, 50 Cent is this enormous guy. It's not mm. like he wouldn't really – it's not like you wouldn't notice him. Uh, he stands out, doesn't he's, he? Yeah, he's this huge, huge geezer, and he sits. He sits down in the in the Nike shop, and this young shop assistant comes and asks him what he wants, and he tells the shop assistant what he wants, and the, and they they go and find a pair of these um, trainers in his size, these big big sort of trainers, top top of the pops, expensive ones. And he said, he said, the whole time that he's there doing this, there's this floor-to-ceiling poster of 50 Cent wearing the trainers that he's just asked to see, right, on the wall in the shop. And the kid never recognised him. 
He never turned around and went, ah, it's the same same guy. And no doubt 50 Cent could get his Nike footwear for free. In fact, they'd probably send him it by the cartload. But he'd obviously run out and he was too much of a gent to sort of go, do you know do you know who that is <laughs> on the wall there <laughs> ringing any bells um he was too much of a gent to point out that it was him and he was too much of a gent to expect to get them for nothing he paid for them he bought them and then they left the shop together um still with this you know floor to ceiling <laughs> 30 foot high poster of him on the wall <laughs> Um, he, he was the nicest guy. He said, I would take this man home to meet my mother. Um, but he also said that, that the runner that um, I think we drove past the the law courts in Munich. I think they were the law courts, and he said that uh, the Nazis had designed those as well. And he said if you go into those buildings. And go to the go to the gents, go or the restroom for our American listeners. He said the the sinks and all of the sort of what what, what would you call it the, uh, the what do they call it stuff stuff in toilets um, all of all, all of the sinks and the the, the furniture in the in the in the uh, toilets are all on a scale. They're all too big. They're all massive. So that if you go into those buildings, you feel intimidated, you feel small. And they were designed deliberately like that by the Nazis so that anyone who was who had reason to go to the law courts would feel very small before they even got started. Um, and I thought that was quite interesting, that, that idea of intimidation. Um, but through design, and and I think the you know the Albert Spare thing of uh, the Templehof um, Airport was doing a similar thing. It was it was it was creating this huge edifice in which everyone would feel very small uh, and in awe of um, of m- maybe the government or or, or their nation when they got in there, irrespective of who they were. So that's Can I just say, can I just say, that Mm. was magnificent. What was? So we started off at Berlin, which prompted a story that happened in Munich, (laughs) which took us to the Nike store with a a wrapper, which took us to another building with a big sink. Mm-hmm. Which brought us straight back round to Berlin Temple Hof Airport. Yes. And you didn't pause for breath? No, it's how my mind works. That was absolute. I mean, talk about a circular ride. That was absolute. That was Billy Connolly esque. Well, it was, it's, you know. It's, I mean, without the humour, but it was Billy Connolly esque. <laughs> Dark undercurrent of um, yeah of the psychology of, um, of of megalomania, yeah. There's an episode title: <laughs> Dark undercurrent of the psychology of megalomania, <laughs> volume two. Yes, yes. <laughs> or shall we just go with you can't leave that sofa here, mate? <laughs> it's up to you, and <laughs> I think I know which one I'm going with. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a and back round to Templehof. It is, hmm. which actually reminds me. So you were chatting to a guy called Andy Rotherham about this, weren't you? Yeah, well, Andy's immediate family. He's he's worked. Uh, I think he worked for the fan club for years, and then and then he um, he fixes guitars. So he's slowly sort of come in house, and he's got a little workshop at Racket now. And he sets up guitars for us and uh, look, looks after guitars when we're not on the road um, and uh, and whatnot. And he's a top bloke. And um, he was in the, I think he was in the RAF at one point. He was. And he told me that he used to sit in a silo 
with with a key round his neck, um, which unlocked the which was one of the processes of unlocking the 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 nuclear bombs on their way to Moscow. Um, and he said, he said at that point in time in the sort of late seventies, no one really realised how close we all were. He said, but you know, we did. We 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 could see how close we were. He said it it was it was fifty fifty every day whether or not they whether or not it was going to happen at the height of the Cold War, uh, which is pretty damn scary. Um, and I think it's left a bit of a mark on him. You know, he's still uh, he's quite a contempt contemplative sort of guy. Um, and then he became a policeman after that, and I think that left a mark on him as well. Um, but he's a good he's he's a good guitar tech, and he's a very nice chap, and uh, he's immediate family. And it was Andy who gave me the little tour of the Templehof Airport because he'd spent so much time in Berlin when he was um, doing the uh, the RAF thing, mm. and he is. He is, I don't know Andy very well, but I know him well enough to say, A, he's a lovely chap, and B, uh, and I, I helped him out with something when I was at Shore, I can't remember what it was, but it, it, it was something that passed me by in an instant. Um, you know, and, and by that, I, I just mean it wasn't something that was massively consequential in, in terms of it, you know, it wasn't something that was difficult for me to do or what have you. And as I say, you've, the, those simple things you can do for people, you forget about them in a moment. And he never forgotten, and he's, and he's offered to... Um, you know, to overhaul one of my guitars for me, um, and we ended up having a long chat about it over WhatsApp. And I must get back to him because we, you know, and this was eighteen months ago. But he's just that lovely person who it was just like, you know, I, I messaged him and said, "Oh, can you give me a bit of advice on this?" And he was like, "No, actually, do you know what? I'll I'll do that for you, not a problem." Yeah, yeah, that's what he's like. He will you know? he will do that for you, and he probably won't send you an invoice either. No, lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, on to Hamburg. Mm. And the thing that struck me about the Hamburg piece of diary, uh, you had a lovely day. You, you ended up, the, 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 the day rooms at the hotel were really nice. You, you seem to have one of those nice relaxing days occasionally have on tour. Um, but you ended up um, nipping into the auditorium to listen to uh, Massive Attack, which was obviously being being used in the room. Mm. Um and and found yourself kind of still in there when the audience got left in, and then sat down and, from what you said, listened listened to Gispacho for the first time. Yeah, well, it wasn't for the first time, but uh, I've heard them before. But I, I mean, it may have been for the first time on that tour um, that I sat there and listened to their set, which was which was really good, um, and it was just a little bit um, sometimes. It depends on the, you know, it depends on the mood I'm in and how tired I am or or, or otherwise. But uh, I think on that occasion, as you said, I'd had quite a nice relaxing day in a in a hotel, and so unlike most of the time on tour when I'm absolutely knackered, um, I'd got enough of a head of steam really to to be able to sit out, enjoy the opening act shake a few hands of the people in the room uh, and just enjoy enjoy the atmosphere of being out front instead of just being stuck in a dodgy dressing room or on a bus somewhere. Um, and that was nice and made a, made a really pleasant change and I very rarely do it because normally I'm t- just too, too tired and I usually go to sleep before shows um, in order to recharge my batteries. But um, that was a good night. I really like the market, Haller. It, it's um, it's set out with with sort of little wooden, with wooden wooden tiers that kind of move their way down to the stage. So everybody feels quite close to you while you're when you're on stage. It's a very hot gig, and I like it hot. Mm. Um, you know, I feel like I've. I don't know. It feels like more of an occasion if everybody's sweating <laughs> somehow. Um, you know, the worst kind of gigs are cool air conditioned white rooms. Yeah. yeah. 
there's one in Eindhoven. Uh, there's a symphony, Philharmonie, I think it's called, in Eindhoven. And Eindhoven's a lovely town, and, uh, full of nice shops and groovy people. But I'm, I'm not over fond of that hall because it's so white. Uh, everything feels a little bit too, I don't know, too too real, too stark. Um, give me a give me a dark, sweaty place any any day. <laughs> I'm see, still I, talking about rooms before yeah. you start. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say, because this takes us back to the very first time I saw Marillion. Oh, yeah. was at Rock City in Nottingham. Oh, that's So if you a want dark, a dark, sweaty place... There you go. There you go. Look no further. Look no further <laughs> than the... Your feet stick to the floor, Rock City in Nottingham. And if you're on stage, you, you you hit your head on the ceiling, even yeah, even not, if you're only five foot seven. It's not very, it's not very high, is it? <laughs> no. Yeah. Um. Well, we'll leave it there. One one quick thing before we go, I must shout out while we while we're saying thanks to people, or being nice to people, or whatever. Uh, I must say thank you to Mark Kennedy. And the reason I need to say thank you to Mark Kennedy is that after listening to 102, Mark, which is what the one where we talked about you um, dispensing beer to the crowd oh, in, the in Amsterdam, Heineken, yeah, and he's he's he had that that concert apparently was live streamed. Oh right, and they kept and he kept the files so he sent me a dropbox link to these files and i've never got around to replying and so thank you mark apologies for not replying sooner i'm going to download them they're apparently in some kind of ancient format i'll see if i can convert them and find this little clip and if i can convert it and find it i'll share it on on the uh, patreon platform for the you know if we can find you dispensing beer from this this it's rucksack. Just, it's just basically. about the only bar work I've ever done, actually. That. <laughs> so I'll see what I can do. So thanks, Mark, for that. Um, another member of the well, he's not just he's he's not he's he's immediate immediate family, isn't he? Oh, Mr. Kennedy. Yes, he's part of the um, the 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 team. He's part the nuts of the, and bolts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he works for us now. Um, and the way Mark came to work for us was entirely on merit because he used to make he used to make little videos and things. in fact he made the out of this world video that we that we run when we play it live ah. he edited that together from all of the news footage and and whatnot and sent it in and said look i've made this and we went oh that's really cool can we use it and he went, yeah sure and then he did a couple of other really creative and interesting things um he also used to do some amusing little little things that he'd paste together either in photoshop or by video that he used to make us laugh and so bit by bit we thought you know we thought we should we should stick this guy on the payroll and make him part of the team he's really talented he's a joy to work with he's really efficient and so uh, Lucy said, you know, would we, would we, mind, although he lives in, in um, Holland, uh, would anyone mind if, if he became a permanent member of staff? And we went, no, great. If you, if you think it's a good idea, it's a good idea. And Mark came on board. So he's now, he's now part of, part of the, the, uh, the core team that looks after the band. Hmm. Well, thanks, Mark, for sending it through. I'll I will try and find a way of mangling that little bit and sharing it. But thanks for for making the link. That was great. Uh, right, I'll let you go and rehearse. Reacquaint yourself with um, whatever nights you need to reacquaint yourself with Friday and Sunday. <laughs> whatever nightmares I need to reacquaint myself with. Yes, I will. I will. It, we were rehearsing yesterday, and it, and it did go quite well. It, it's uh, but we're glad we kind of did it. But I think it's all tightened up really well. So feeling good about Stockholm. Perfect. Does that mean you'll be there when we speak next week? We might have to have... Well, I'll be there Monday morning, but I'll be on my way home uh, because right. we'll do Sunday night and then Monday morning I'll be packing and getting getting the plane home. So we might have to resume either Monday evening or Tuesday morning next week. Or we could talk on Sunday from Stockholm. We could. 
we could if you, if you want to get a sort of Nordic flavour. There might be. Let's see how he goes. God knows I have. <laughs> <laughs> Them's your life choices. Um, <laughs> you might get it. You might get a Nordic flavour next time. Who knows? Yeah. Who Nor- knows? Northern girl, diamond in the rough. That was a Gallagher and Lyle song. Harlow used to cover that, and mm. and back in the old, you know, embryonic pub rock days. Absolutely. Gallagher and Lyle had a song called Northern Girl. Yeah, before you all turned on each other. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll see you for 108. <laughs> before the blood. Okay. Yes, I'll, I'll see you very soon, everybody. Do um, stay safe. Stay purple. Stay, um, well, just stay. Just stay. To Luke. You. You could be mean And I'll be drunk all the time Cause we're lovers And that is a fact Yes, we're lovers And that is that Nothing could keep us together. We could beat them forever and ever. We could be heroes just for one day. I wish I could swim Like a dolphin Like dolphins could swim Though nothing Would drive them away We could beat them Forever and ever We could be heroes Just for one day What you say, I say
Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.